we're in a series, this is number eight, in a series entitled Mysteries of the Kingdom. And of course, this is taken from Mark 4 when uh, Jesus told his disciples that it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. And the word for mystery, musterion, uh, simply means something that you don't understand. It's not profitable to natural understanding. And the Lord tells us that it is given to us as believers to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Whereas, in fact, he says that to those that are without, unless they've been converted and their sins forgiven, all of these things are just a parable or a mystery, something that they don't understand. But to you, it's given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. And as we've uh, been in this series, I've shared that there are about 10 things that the New Testament specifically refers to as a mystery, something that is not profitable to natural human understanding. And in some of those instances, the word says, don't be ignorant of this mystery. In other words, it has to be revealed to your heart. And of course, uh, you know, we started with a mystery of the plan of redemption. That is the big picture understanding that all of the other mysteries, all of the understandings of the word of God will fit into. The whole word of God is a mystery to them that are without don't ever argue the word with an unbeliever. They have no capacity to understand it. There's only one issue for them, get them saved. They have the capacity to receive the Lord, so get them saved. But, you know, when it comes to the unfolding of mysteries to believers, there are things that have been hidden not from you, but for you. As we saw last week, you know, if the uh, princes of this world had known, they wouldn't have even crucified the Lord of glory. There are things that God intends to keep from the enemy of your soul. And if you think we aren't in a war, you need to wake up. There is a war raging in the unseen realm that really alters the, the life we live on this earth one way or the other where light and darkness and the experience of each are concerned. Uh, but the things that we need to know in order to promote God's purpose in the earth, in our life, to realize His will, are going to require us to understand the mysteries. And since there are about 10 of them, actually there, there could be 11 or 12, but a couple of them are uh, really the same as a couple of others. So you'd say that there are about 10 things God calls mysteries, which means we're going to have to position ourselves for understanding. Just because it's given to you to know the mysteries doesn't mean it happens automatically. You have to acquire knowledge before the truth of it can be revealed to you. So you're going to have to study. And as you read the Word, some of it may not seem to make a lot of sense. But God's smart enough not to contradict himself. The word fits and flows together, uh, you know, and of course it's up to us to acquire knowledge through reading and study, but then prayer and prayer in the Holy Spirit. He is the one that reveals truth to our heart. Things in the word you don't understand, 
mysteries about his will for your life that you don't get. It will be his ministry to you that begins revealing truth to you. Now, in talking about these other mysteries, mystery of the plan of redemption, mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory, the mystery of godliness, or as one translation says, the mystery of the Christian life. Uh, we've been in these, and we started last Sunday with the mystery of His will, because His will is a mystery to many people. All of these years in ministries, I'd say one of the most usual uh, questions or comments I get is, Pastor, I wish I knew what the will of God for my life was. I really, I don't know what He has for me. Well, His will is a mystery. It's not going to be published in a way uh, that the princes of this world can set up roadblocks every time you turn a corner. It's not even going to be revealed to you until you've matured enough in the Word to accommodate the warfare that will come when it is revealed. So understanding His will is a progressive, lifelong process. But we position ourselves through study and prayer for that revelation to come, and much revelation comes through the anointed preaching of the Word. Uh, so, you know, as we study the mystery of His will, I should probably say there are some things that aren't, shouldn't be a mystery. They're so clearly stated in the Word of God uh, that you, you, you can't misunderstand it. And one of the things we're seeing this day and at this point in time uh, is all kinds of social upheaval, all kinds of things that are happening in the world around us that uh, are really disturbing. Uh, we need to understand how we relate to the events that are going down in the world around us. And we start with the word that we can clearly understand. And that is, the body of Christ is God's instrument in this earth to promote His kingdom purpose. And it won't happen any other way. It is clear in the Word and requires little revelation or understanding that the body is to be one heart, one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. If we're going to function in the power of agreement and one accord that will produce God's purposes in this earth, that will position nations for salvation, that will produce and, and position this world for the outpouring of His Spirit and His glory and an awakening and revival, which is how social change, the only way social change is truly going to come. Amen. Unity and harmony in the body is not something that should be a question mark. Is it the will of God? And yet we see the body of Christ constantly at odds with one another. Denominational differences magnified to the point of small wars being fought in the body of Christ. Differences and persuasions of faith that pit believers against each other. But even more than that, 
in the local church environment and in the environment of local churches within a community. We see people taking pot shots at each other all of the time. And we're not smart enough to realize that is one of the most basic truths about God's will that nobody can misunderstand. This should not be happening. And yet all of us find ourselves embroiled on occasion with controversy between believers. All believers have enough in common to be joined together, and that is Jesus Christ. We all have the basis for focusing together on the challenges that face this world. And his name is Jesus Christ. We've got the ability to flow together. And when we, when we come together in one heart and one mind, that's when dramatic change comes to this earth. That's when revival, awakening, and outpouring will come. And yet, you know, we deal, and I know every ministry does, and I know every believer does, with the worst attacks of all, which are from other believers. You know, I expect the world uh, to come against us, to attack the things that we stand for and represent. But I don't expect other believers to. That's the most painful and difficult process to manage of all. But typically the pattern is usually the same. Somebody gets offended and hurt within the body by another believer in the body or an organization perhaps. And so out of that hurt and what really amounts to an inability to go beyond it, get beyond it, it becomes a point of unforgiveness or resentment that will eventually erupt in some kind of allegation or accusation. Always does. That's how the enemy attacks. He's called the accuser of the brethren. And when we as believers align our lives with him by accusing the brethren, accusing other believers of this or that or something else, could be true. People are human. They make mistakes. Usually, it is a distorted, twisted understanding that produces these kinds of of accusations. And if the other Christian or the other party to this, this growing division isn't aware of the pitfalls, that party will begin defending themselves by hurling accusations back the other way. So we have two believers using the enemy's arsenal of accusation against the brethren, placing themselves on the ground of darkness and death and cursing. That's his ground. And they wonder why things spiral, spiral down out of control for them. Because they've allied themselves with the enemy of their soul and are not smart enough to even realize it. Or I should say, deceived. Too deceived to even realize it. And so, you know, somebody gets hurt or offended, and they begin hurling accusation. That person 
gets hurt and feels the need to defend, and they do that by going on the attack themselves, hurling accusation back the other way. We've got to be smarter than that, church. You know, the Apostle Paul said to the uh, Galatians, or in Galatians, he said, if you bite and devour one another, if you bite and devour one another, you will be consumed of one another. You've done the enemy's work for him. He doesn't have to get in there and, and you know, do anything else other than begin focusing Christians' ill will upon each other. I, we've just got to be smarter than this. Thank you. I am. I'm doing my best. The truth is this. We, we have to realize that it takes two to tango. And if we enter the arena of defending ourselves, our righteous selves, then it's going to be by beginning this exchange of accusation and innuendo, the majority of which is based on lies. Lies and misrepresentation of truth. And we're doing things exactly the way the enemy of our soul wants us to do them. And we'll do his job for him. We'll consume one another if we bite and devour each other. And we miss the major things we need to be taken care of. You know when the word says the enemy comes in like a flood... It means it's not unusual for him to pile on areas of challenge and warfare and hardship all at the same time. And I've discovered this. When things, a lot of things come like this, there is a demonic strategy, satanic strategy, somewhere that he wants to hide by all of these other distractions. So he piles it on. So when this kind of thing happens, we need to stop and take a look and say, okay, really, what's going on right now? What is the body of Christ do we really need to be attentive to right now? And I can tell you here in Minneapolis that right now we have a potential tinderbox on our hands. This is the epicenter of the cry for social justice around America that unfortunately has activated many organizations that are interested in nothing more than destroying America through lawlessness, violence, and vandalism. I mean, but we are approaching a week right now where justice, an important issue, Justice can't be meted out by people, I'm sorry, can only be promoted by the Lord. Life is unfair. You take anybody's experience of life, we could all say, well, that's not fair. I'm a good man. I'm a good woman. I prayed. I go to church. I pay tithes. That's not fair. Life isn't fair. Grow up. Get over yourself. Life is not fair. Nobody can create the kind of justice that we all long for. No man. 
the cries for social justice and the demonstrations for it are meaningless fabrications of the enemy if, it, if they're not rooted in the Lord. Amen. Who's the justifier? We've all been justified by the blood of Christ. He is the justifier. You want justice? It's going to come through the Lord or it isn't going to come at all. So what does this say to us? As our city approaches a time when there's going to be a verdict regarding George Floyd's death and the officers that have been accused in that, in that matter. There's going to be a verdict next week. Our civil government is so frightened to the core of their being that they've shut down school next week. Public school systems are closed next week. And, you know, uh, and the timing of Dante Wright's death isn't coincidental either, I don't think, right prior to this, uh, to this you know, verdict being made we have another tragic death at the hands of a police officer. Well, anybody that's got a brain can see that we don't remedy the situation by defunding the police or canceling law enforcement. <clears throat> we got accused as racist last week because we support law, law enforcement. Come on. Come on. You want a really unmanageable situation? Then uh, let's let the spirit of Antichrist, which the Bible says is the spirit of lawlessness, reign. Amen. We'll really have, uh, you know, a challenge on our hands. But the point is, what is the church to be doing approaching a week of this magnitude with yet a fresh tragedy on our hands? We should be joined together as one, not hurling accusations or allegations at other people in the church. We should be joined as one, praying, first of all, for justice in George Floyd's death. Secondly, justice for Dante Wright, we need to be praying for supernatural ministry and peace to the families of those who've lost loved ones, to Dante's mother and family and friends. And we should be praying for peace in Minneapolis. We should be coming against standing as one, one heart and one voice in prayer against the violence and the lawlessness that we've seen break out in the past. This has been where all of this began. You know, this says something interesting to me. Years ago, George Washington Carver, a wonderful man of God, a black brother, mostly known for his 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 science and the things that he developed during his time, you know, over 300 uses of the peanut, 150 uses for sweet potato. And not just, you know, oh, isn't that interesting kinds of things. 
but life-changing things. I mean, his science remedied an outbreak of boll weevils in the southern tier of states, Alabama being at the center of this outbreak, that was about to destroy an entire economy. And his findings preserved that economy. But basically, he's known for things more important than his science, as important as that was. He was a man of God who prophesied in the late 30s, I don't have the date in front of me right now, that there would be a global revival, not regional, not national, but a global revival that in the future, this was in 38 or 39, would begin in Minneapolis. We're in the day when we're closing out one dispensation, when we know that things are going to be occurring that are monumental. We've been put here for such a time as this. We're not to be fighting and accusing one another of things, some of which may have some truth to it, most of which does not. This isn't the time for that. We're living in a day when we've got to come together as the body. We've got to pray and we've got to believe for our city, our state, our nation. I believe what we are actually doing is being a part of pulling in this great outpouring that George Washington Carver prophesied that I believe is going to consummate the end of this dispensation. I believe we are there. And if we can't get our eyes off of what so-and-so said or so-and-so did and hurling accusations back and forth and come together as the body, if we can't do that, we are lost. So we're going to do that. And at the end of this service, at the end of this service and next, we are going to pray together. Um, you know, I guess my... My introductory commentary has gone a little long, but let's just start kind of where we ended up last week. You know, I told Lynn this morning, I don't really care if the first service just blends into the second and they join us. We're going to have church today and we're going to pray It's the body of Christ today. But, uh, yes, did you say something? Just in my heart right now, I um, have hurt so much this week for, for what I have seen for years in prayer and on my knees. And you know, Pastor Mac, we, were, we came up and raised up under a great praying man, uh, Philip Halverson. And I remember praying with him, and he would be praying by the Holy Ghost. And he would say, in, as he's praying, my city, my city. And I, I thought it was like his, personally his, and that's what he was praying. But when he would pray that, he wasn't praying my city. It wasn't coming up out of him by the Holy Ghost that it was his own personally. But the Holy Ghost was praying through him my city 
And so the Holy Spirit was calling this city my city. And so from that time, something about praying with Brother Halverson made it where it became somehow that burden that it was the Holy Ghost city. That burden dropped into my heart and Pastor Matt's heart. And it became not just ours, but God's. And through the years, you know how you take the word of God and you hold it in your arms and it becomes a part of you. And that has become a part of us that this is God's city and that God would choose by the words of a prophet and a scientist to proclaim that a revival of praying people, as you know we are, that God would birth a revival here. And what is happening, the stench out there, is an attack of demons of what God has promised. He, it is an attack of what God has promised us. And so, I mean, I don't want to usurp anything here, but honest to God, I, I, I've been seeing something in my heart. And when I would see this revival coming, I would see, thank you, B. I would, I always, in my prayers, I can always step over evil things and see the good and see where you going, God, and where am I to be right now? And so I always saw myself. Here. Jesus. I always saw myself holding hands. And so I want us to do that. Now, I don't know where he's going today, but we're going to do this right now. Because oh. if this is my part. I saw us all get up together. We're going to do it. Whatever. Okay, Whatever we're going to all get up right now. And, you know, I'm 75 years old, and so... I know some of the old songs together. And I want us to cross the aisle here together. And I want us to join hands. But now our hands are going to be symbolic of what we're going to all see with our eyes right now. Of all of, all of America beginning right here. The body of Christ holding hands together. And dear God, where, where is Keeve? I can't really sing, so I don't want to, but well, I will if I have let's to. Put some, um, let's put some words on the screen for just a moment because we talked about this earlier. This is what we had in our heart. Yeah. This, this wonderful song says, my brother, Y'all know my that old sister. song. It's a Russ Taft song. Y'all don't know him. I see half of you in here. It's like, who? You know, yeah, he was back in the... Take me by the hand. Together we will work. Together until we he will comes. work until he comes. There's no foe. There's no foe. Can defeat us. I'm telling you, there's no foe that's going to defeat this promise of God. And it starts right here with us. And I'm telling you right now, let's just see this whole city right here together. Let's just see it right now together. Yes. All of us together. Black, white, orange, purple, green, yellow whatever whoever anyway looks at a brother and sees a color of a skin makes me so mad 
All right, Keith, you know this song. Yeah, let's go with this one. Y'all will catch you're on it. My brother, you're my sister, so take me by the hand. Together we will work until he comes. There's no foe that can defeat us. We're walking side by side. As long as there is love, we will stand. You're my brother, you're my sister, so take me by the hand. Together we will work until we comes. There's no foe that can defeat us when we're walking side by side. As long as there is love, we will stand. And so before we pray right here, Lord, we're just all in you. That's what we see this morning. And there's a day coming, Lord, a great glory where this whole city is going to stand together, side by side, linking arms together. We're going to have your promise, Lord. Just pray everybody right now. And if you don't know how to pray as you <laughs> are, pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Because you, Jesus Lord. is the fixer. He fixes everything. Things we could never fix. Jesus fixes. Jesus, we're asking you to come on to the scene. Come on the scene, Jesus, in this city. We're asking for the presence of God in this city. We behold it, we know we have it. Hallelujah. Oh God, you come in your glory. You come, oh Father. <laughs> Come, come, come to change every man and every woman in us, including everything that needs to be changed, Lord. You're the great changer. You're the one that changes everything. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come, Jesus. Come, Jesus. Let your presence overtake this whole city to this week. Let your Holy Ghost overtake in the name of Jesus. And let the spirit of love, the spirit of Jesus reign in our city. Yes, Lord. Yes, Let us be the first. Let us go first, Father. Operations of the Holy Ghost right now in our city of Jesus' name. Operations of the Holy Ghost in the city. We outcry out as a family joined together. Yes, Lord. We cry out for the move of God. Yes, Lord. To fall in this city. Yes, Lord. My city. My city. My city. 
Lord, we take authority over strife and division in the body of Christ. And hatred in the name of Jesus. We take authority over it in the mighty name of the Lord. As demonically and satanically inspired, we curse it and command it to bow its knee. In the name of Jesus. To the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you. <clears throat> for the Hallelujah. unity and harmony of the body Thank you, Lord. that is supernatural in its origin, Thank each you, member rising up to take their place in your army, your Thank company, Thank you, Lord. your body. Thank we you. thank you for that, Lord, that we begin moving as one. Thank you, Jesus. That we begin speaking as one. <laughs> that we begin imparting the kind of love that will heal broken hearts and bring families and people together again. You, the kind of love that is thank supernatural you, in its origin. Thank you, Lord. The we thank you that we move in that love, room. move in that anointing, move in that power of the Holy Spirit you, to bring change, change, to bring restoration, change, to bring awakening. To Only bring you your glory, we thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, for the power that supersedes human effort, that surpasses wisdom that is of a human origin or a secular nature. We thank you, Father, for the divine impartations that only you can make into our society, our city, and our nation in this world. We believe, Lord, that we've been prepared for such a time as this. Lord, we believe that we are in that day. We are, Lord. Pour out your glory over this city, Father. Pour out restoration, Lord. We hold up the families of George Floyd, Dante Wright. We ask you to minister to them in a way that only you can, lifting them to a place, Lord, that no human effort could ever bring them. We ask you to garrison about their hearts and their minds with a supernatural peace that only you can impart. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, for the fulfilling of the justice that originates from heaven in any matters of human endeavor on this earth and in this city right now. Lord, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you for being the agency of wholeness and healing to our community, Lord God. Bringing this city together as one in your purpose and under your love and your care. Just pray in the Holy Ghost. If you don't know how to pray as you ought, he stood us and did he hear the Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise and bless your name. We lift your name today, Lord. We thank you that you are going to be magnified in our city next week. You'll be magnified, Jesus. You get glory yes. to yourself. Get glory, Jesus, to yourself. Oh, Lord, let it start here. Let it begin here. Get glory to yourself, Jesus. 
Hallelujah. That our city would be known for the presence of Almighty God and that He is resting here. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Your love prevails. Your love prevails. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. And Father, right now, you know that through the years, when I ask you, Father, how many should we ask to be saved in this city? What was the number, Lord, that it was in your heart? What was the number that you gave us? And you said to us, Jesus, ask that all in this city would be saved. All. Because the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus died. Jesus died for all. The blood of Jesus for was for everyone. So, Father, right now, as the body of Christ joined together, we ask you, Lord, that every man, every woman, every child, would be saved in this city in the name of Jesus, would be saved, and they would all be walking with us, and they would be proclaiming together, this city we would all together, hallelujah, and we could sing that song one more time, the whole city together, hallelujah, singing, so take me by the hand Together we will work Until he comes There's no foe that can defeat us When we're walking side to side As long as there is love We will stand One more time. Right. You're my brother, you're my sister, so take me by the hand. Together we will work until he comes. There's no foe that can defeat us when we're walking side by side. As long as there is love, we will stay. Thank you, Lord. Y'all give the Lord a shout. Glory to God. Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 And you need to be seated because I'm not finished preaching. Are you not through yet? No, I'm not through yet. Okay, he's not through, so. I just, you know, I want to remind y'all because you got some good things to say. You remember what P.C. Nelson said about tongues? Um, yeah, I do. And I realize, you know, there's probably lots okay, of people. Okay, I know in what here. to do. I know what to do. Well, what? First of all, sit down hold for a the minute. water. Sit hold down the water. for a minute. Sit down for a minute. Just put this down here. 
just have a seat for a second. All right. Let me just, you know, I know there are a lot of people in here uh, that may not be baptized in the Holy Spirit, may have different uh, views of the pursuit of your Christianity than, you know, a full gospel church may have. Uh, and there's no condemnation to anyone wherever you may be in the Lord. You pray the best you can uh, from your heart, and that's all you need to do. But I do want to remind you of some things about the Holy Spirit. You know, some of these things we've talked about already. But when you're, uh, when you're born again, that process of regeneration is by the Holy Spirit. Sanctification comes by Him, no doubt about it. You're made to be a temple of the Holy Spirit, and He takes up residence within you. Hallelujah. Thank you, And Jesus. so God literally indwells you when you're born again. Uh, Jesus Christ, God the Father, indwelled you in the person of the Holy Spirit. But at any rate, um, there is, however, an experience subsequent to the new birth called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we talked a little about this last Sunday. All that means is the infilling or the overflow. The presence of God can be so magnified in your life, in your temple, that there is a supernatural overflow that will begin touching and affecting the world around you. Yes, amen. Not only in the uh, gifts of the Spirit that we see in 1 Corinthians 12, gifts of healing, working of miracles, words of knowledge and wisdom, tongues, interpretation, prophecy, all of these things uh, should be, if we want as much of the Holy Spirit as we can have, should be part of our experience in life. And the Holy Ghost, of course, and His fullness in your life and mine means that we are filled with the agent of revelation. That's His ministry to your life. And you can actually... Uh, magnify His ministry in your life by being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not a one-time experience. You're not baptized in the Holy Ghost as they were in the upper room, and then that's it. You're filled from then on. We see in Ephesians there's a process of being, be being filled. By acknowledging His indwelling presence, the power that He brings to your life and the understanding that it is His ministry to you to bring. He is the agent of revelation in our life. And before I give this to Lynn, I just wanted to refer to Romans 8, 26, 27, and 28. Likewise, the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, also helpeth our infirmities. That means weakness or inability. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Now this really resonated within us when God launched this ministry 40 years ago. Uh, it was with the emphasis that we are to be, to be a praying church. Whatever we did without calling on the name of the Lord, we'd do in vain. And this tells us that we're going to encounter a lot of things we don't know how to pray about. But the Holy Spirit itself maketh intercession for us 
with groanings which cannot be, one translation says, intelligibly uttered, meaning there is a prayer in the Spirit that the word refers to as tongues. Tongues has chased a lot of people away from revelation and power because it transcends human understanding. We're told in 1 Corinthians 14, he who prays in an unknown tongue prays mysteries unto God. Well, if you're going to get the mysteries of the kingdom revealed, then the Holy Spirit will be involved. And so we see that verse 27 says, he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he, the Holy Ghost, maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now, you're, a, you're the saints. You don't have to be sainted by any organization. The Bible refers to you if you're saved as a saint. And it says that the Holy Spirit makes intercession for the saints. That's you. That's me. That's the body of Christ according to the will of God. And then it is in that context that we can proclaim verse 28 is our own. Too often verse 28 is taken out of context and we say all things are going to work together for good to them that love God and to them that are called according to His purpose. Wrong. This verse begins with a conjunction. It begins with and. And so when we allow the Holy Spirit to make intercession through us, He's doing so according to the will of God and then we can know that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to His purpose. We see a lot of negatives going down in the world around us, a lot of allegations, a lot of accusations, a lot of division in the body of Christ and in the church, a lot of division in our nation and in this country, and it's time that it stopped. But we often don't know how to pray as we ought. Well, let's let the Holy Spirit have more free reign in our lives than He presently does and pray through us. And then we can receive by faith the truth that all things are going to work together for good to them that love God and that are pursuing His purpose for their life. Say amen to that. Now tell us a little bit about P.C. Nelson's comments regarding tongues. Okay. Um, I think we could go back to Romans chapter 8 here. And I think the greatest revelation any of us could ever have or could ever get is that we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. Uh, yeah. That's not we a big don't revelation. Know. I it know is. I don't know. Well, a lot of people think they do know, and so they take off on their prayer journey. And, but really, the Holy Spirit is so good, and then he says, we don't know. Well, I receive that, that I don't know. And so as a result of not knowing myself, then that makes me yield over to the one that does know. He, he knows through us and through believers. He knows exactly how to pray Every day about everything that has touched our life is coming. He knows exactly how to pray. So why would I, why would I try to figure it out and use my head and come up with things? So there was this, this old timer. 
uh, in, you know what I mean by that old timer. Uh, and I love to read after him. His name was P.C. Nelson. And he was talking about, he knew so much about the Holy Ghost. And he said this. He said, when you begin to pray in other tongues, you draw from the riches of his glory and wisdom. You start to draw from the riches of his glory. In other words, the Holy Ghost, it, you become his, the vehicle in which he prays through. And, uh, and you become a facilitator of his praying. Hallelujah. That makes me happy. Uh, you, you draw from the resources of heaven. Your inner man, he said, is lit up by the fire of God. And it may all be a mystery to you, but to him it is a demonstration and a manifestation with your tongue. He said, it is a vocal miracle. Hallelujah. You might not understand it, but supernaturally there is a miracle taking place. Because the Holy Ghost prays the perfect will of God through you. The heavenly language that carries God's nature. The heavenly language. Your language carries. It's a container. Your Holy Ghost language is a container. And in that container is power and the nature of God. So whenever you are praying in other tongues, that's what's happening. Isn't that amazing? And I could go on and on, but Pastor Mac, he wanted me to read about P.C. Nelson. This is what else he said. He said, the Holy Ghost has exceptional knowledge. <laughs> He's a genius. I agree. He will make you smart. He's living in you. And if you're smart, you'll let him have you as a pipeline. Now, Brother Halverson said about a, prop, uh, a pipeline, he said this. The Holy Spirit wants you to be his power agent. His pipeline. Who cares what the pipeline looks like? Who cares what it's made of? Who cares if it's educated? Who cares what its associations have been? Then it says, I'm trying to read my writing. And so it's talking here about the intercessory work of the Holy Spirit as we yield to him. We become a pipeline, an agent. So right now, all day today and tomorrow, you can be an agent of the Holy Spirit, praying for our city, praying for the glory of our city. All right, this is what else he said. He has, first of all, exceptional knowledge. Second thing he said, are you all with me? Okay. Second thing he said is the Holy Spirit is an advocate. He's never, ever lost a case. He has perfect protocol and procedure. He carries all the information. He will plead a perfect case through you as his pipeline. He's always one up on the prosecutor and the accuser. As you pray in tongues, the Bible says you pray the perfect will of God. And then this last one. He has a persuasive speaking ability. <laughs> he will prompt you to say something that will bypass your head. Thank God. 
Where from your spirit, you speak right out of your mouth divine secrets and mysteries. Things way beyond just what you could think. You couldn't think of it way beyond human thought and reason. I remember uh, two summers ago, uh, Pastor Kenneth Hagin said this in a prophecy. He said this. This will make you hungry. There are vast continents, vast continents, unexplored in the spirit. Heights, depths, and regions that you can delve into with the wisdom from praying in tongues. Isn't that amazing? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Is that that good? was wonderful. Have All right. a seat, please. Hallelujah. No, I just leave it there. And let me just again say, I mean, I know, I mean, because every membership class, like I say, if we've got a couple hundred people in a membership class, half of them come up for the baptism of the Holy Spirit during Thank the week. Thank God. Most people that come to this church or any other church probably are not baptized in the Holy Spirit because of the controversy that has raged over decades past. Um, I'm not interested in segregating us or myself from the rest of the body by suggesting, which would be wrong, that uh, somebody is less spiritual, somebody is less, uh, has less favor with God, has, uh, if they do or they don't, speak in tongues, or are baptized with the Holy Spirit. There is no condemnation. Wherever you are in Christ, there is no condemnation. But this is represented as a form of empowerment that wasn't just given on the day of Pentecost to 120 people. A form of empowerment, an endowment of power. And of course, that power is two-pronged, the power that flows through you to bring about the signs and wonders that confirm the preaching of the Word and prove to people the reality of God through those uh, supernatural moments. There is that form of empowerment, but there is the form of empowerment that has to do with revelation, because faith can't come without the rhema of the Spirit that we see in Romans 10, 17. The word spoken by the Holy Spirit to your heart. Faith can only come through revelation, which is the Holy Spirit's ministry. And then we see in Ephesians 1, 19, there's an exceeding greatness of power to who us who believe. The same power that raised Christ from the dead. That's the empowerment that the Holy Spirit potentially brings to every believer's life. But it takes a, a bit of understanding about how this occurs. It doesn't drop on your head uh, like a miracle out of heaven. The cloven tongues of fire may show up. It may happen to you very supernaturally without any, any knowledge of even what's happening. Uh, but... You know, we are to live by faith, not by the sovereign acts of God. And therefore, receiving the Holy Spirit requires a step 
to pray in a language that you don't understand. You're praying mysteries to God, not speaking to man when you pray in tongues. So that word mysterion means it's not profitable to your natural understanding. So you begin making an utterance. And as you make an utterance, trust that the Holy Spirit will shape it into a meaningful prayer language. Do this in your own private devotional life. You can do it at any time. You don't need anybody to lay hands on you. The Bible says if we as earthly parents know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more freely will he give us the gift of the Holy Spirit? So you ask and then allow the evidence that always accompanies in Scripture the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the evidence of tongues and proclamations of the Word of God, prophecy, Allow that to come forth. And it's your will as a free moral agent that gives your vocal cords over to the Holy Spirit to use. He isn't going to hijack them. He isn't going to make this supernatural prayer language come out of you. So you start praying, you ask for the Holy Spirit, and start making an utterance in a way that you don't understand it. I shared some funny stories last Sunday about that, uh, about my experience um, I'm not going to go through that again. But the, these are understandings that you need to have in order uh, to have the richness and fullness of this operation in and through you. A blessing and an empowerment.